Hello, I know. listeners. <laughs> this one doesn't like give us like the volume though. No, it doesn't. But that's all right. We'll just <laughs> wing this one. <laughs> Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Trollbillies Worker Party. <laughs> that is not her name. What is it? Armchair Apocrypha. Armchair Apocrypha. That's right. Which is this is the podcast where armchair experts tell possibly true stories. Mm-hmm. Um, the only rules are you can't talk about anything that you've studied or anything that you work in. Um, we're doing a little bit of an experiment today because we are on Rachel's laptop yep. instead of my laptop. Andrew, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what happened to your laptop? Oh, um, so I have been uh, cat-sitting for my sister for about five or six months now. I would have sworn it was a year at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, my sister went up to college in Seattle um, in Olympia, and I've been watching her cat for her. And uh, the other night, he grabbed the uh, laptop pillow that was under my laptop and pulled it off the bed and snapped the casing in half. Oh, my gosh. How did, oh, I would have been so angry. I was very angry. Um, <laughs> but he's a cat, so what are you going to do? Uh, uh, many things, but I'll be PG. <laughs> just a reminder, or if you're a new listener, Rachel doesn't like cats. Like, she's afraid of cats. They're terrifying. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. Um, but I ordered a new Chromebook, and it should be here uh, tomorrow. Oh, nice. So, That'll be, like, super exciting. That's, like, what, anytime I get any new gadget, I'm literally yeah. on it for, like, three hours setting it up and figuring it out. Well, it's an upgrade from my old Chromebook. And, like, uh, Friday at work, Mary and I were looking through Chromebooks. And oh, like, nice, yeah. Is this one too big? Is this one too small? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, earlier today, my uncle and his girlfriend were here, and they're both in their 60s. <laughs> And we set them both up with Instagram yeah. today. And they're both like, what's this invite mean? What's this? How do I find you? And like, they were trying so hard. It took them a good 45 minutes, but I think we got them set up. Good. <laughs> they may never open it again. <laughs> what are all these notifications? Yeah, they're like, what's... And then my uncle accidentally hit fall on someone who's like this, like, it's a dive bar, one, two, three, or something like that. Oh. I, that wasn't like the actual name. He's like, I don't understand. How, how do I unfollow him? And then I had to, like, show him how to unfollow people. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about that woke real estate agent that followed me? Woke? Yeah. No. Uh, so it was back when I was um, organizing with the Louisville Socialist, and we had a, uh, I think it was when we had Street Fight Radio um, at Kaiju. Uh, but this real estate agent who was, like, uh, advertising all over Instagram followed me and just started liking all of my anarchist and Marxist <laughs> and... Uh, all those posts, socialist uh, posts. And I was like, "Who is this realtor, and why are they bro- or why are they woke?" <laughs> Did um, you ever find out? No, oh. I have no idea who it was. Apparently, they like me on Instagram though. So, mm. <laughs> um, so uh, we have. Um, we're going to have probably a short episode this week. Yeah, because we got something big coming up. We've got something to do after the show. Uh, we are going to go see the new Star Wars. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I might cry. <laughs> Neither of us have been fully spoiled nope, on it yet. I don't know so, anything. Um, uh, <clears throat> Katie and Cameron saw it. And um, said it was wonderful. Yeah. So um, did everyone else, apparently. Yeah. A lot of people really like it. I have seen a few people that say that they don't care for it, but... That's fine. Yeah. That's expected. Yeah. It made $450 million in, like, the first one or two nights. I can't remember. Well, it's, it's, like... going to. Earth shattering. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, even for us to get the tickets for a Sunday night was, yeah. like, um, sold out almost. 
It probably, I knew it is now. Um, so. Yeah, probably, yeah. With that being said, shall we start? Yeah, let's start. Um, so my um, my series, uh, Badass Women Who Deserve Their Own Netflix series, um, yes. continues. Nice. Uh, this week, it's just going to be a short tale about Constance Markowitz. Constance. I don't Constance. hear that name very often anymore. No. Uh, back in 1916, uh, you might have. <laughs> yeah. Um, Constance Markowitz was uh, born Constance Gore Booth. Uh, she was a countess. Um, and a she, countess? She was a countess. Nice. In Dublin. Um, and she preferred to go by the name Madame Markowitz because she thought it sounded, it sounded less pretentious. I think it does. Yeah. I agree with her. <laughs> Um, it's also got that nice alliter- alliteration to it, so Madame Mar- Mar- yep. And you know that we love alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was the daughter of landlords, um, but her family didn't really like her because she was stubborn. Um, she didn't want to marry. Uh, she didn't want to be involved in the, the uh, countship or anything like that. Okay. Um, she eventually married Count Casimir Markowitz. Um, who was from Poland, I believe. Um, and Casimir literally dueled to win her in marriage. <laughs> a duel? A duel. Oh my gosh. With swords. Um, <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> not with uh, pistols. Not with pistols. Not with, um, what is it when they're um, jousting? Yes. Not with a joust. Oh, God. I did not mean that. Let's go and no, uh, let's go back to the days of jousting for marriage. I think that sounds like a fun <laughs> let's thing bring it back. <laughs> Don't know why it ever went out of fashion. <laughs> um, Constance Markowitz uh, was a organizer for the leftist parties um, in Ireland at the time, and she became involved in the uh, Easter Rebellion against the British, um, mm-hmm. and she was sentenced to death. But her uh, sentence was commuted because she was a woman. Oh, um, I was going to expect it was from a well-off family, but that also makes sense. It was probably a combination of both of those yeah. things. Like, you know, she was a peasant woman. That yeah. might be another story. She's a countess. She's a woman. Um, during the Easter Rebellion, she uh, got into gunfights with the um, the police who mm-hmm. were trying to stop the rebellion, and she ended up killing one of them, which is why she was sentenced. Um, but then she was... Does it say how she killed him? Like, like the gun? I think that she shot him in the chest. All um, right. But there are also reports that she was nowhere near the, the policeman who was shot. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's possible that she just showed up and they arrested her. Why didn't they just look at the footage from the cameras that were there? You know, in 1916, <laughs> the Wi-Fi wasn't really that good. You had those, It was really slow. Yeah. You had those... Um, uh, Especially if it was an inside garages. job and they accidentally lost the tapes. Lost the tapes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I see. Okay. <laughs> um, she became an icon of sorts for uh, women who uh, were involved in the um, Republican Rebellion. Um, she uh, always dressed uh, um, in, like, um, what's it called? Not uh, corsets? Not corsets, <laughs> no. She always wanted to be dressed in a way that was functional, not in a way that was pretty. Um, in, uh, sh- but she would go into parades dressed in these functional outfits. So she would be have like short skirts so she could run. She would have like 
pistols that were at her side so that she so could draw cool. them. Um, strong boots. Uh, she would, uh, carrying around a revolver. She had a trademark revolver that she used. I have a trademark revolver. Do you really? Just kidding. I don't have a gun. <laughs> I don't either. Um, I have a sword. You uh, do? next to my bed. I've uh, got, I need to invest in like a bat or something. For home protection. Against the mice. Yes. <laughs> Um, she had a pistol to like shoot at the mice. <laughs> Accidentally shoot my downstairs neighbor. Yeah. Awful. I don't think, uh, depending on how you angle it, I don't think you would hit them. Okay, good. Now I feel more confident. Yeah, just always shoot like in that direction. Right? Okay, not downwards. Yeah, you might just scare the piss out of them, but you probably won't hit them. Yeah, that's true. Um. So during the Easter Rebellion and uprising of Irish forces. Uh, stormed Dublin and took over the city core. Um, she uh, got into gunfights with many of the British officers and policemen who came to stop the rebellion. Um, the English overwhelmed and isolated the pockets of rebels, and a week into the rebellion, the rebel leadership uh, gave the order to surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, Constance turned herself in, uh, gently kissing her gun before handing it over and declaring, I am ready. Badass. Badass. (laughs) Uh, While many of her cohort were executed by firing squad, she was commuted to life imprisonment. She did not stay in jail, though. Okay. Which is good. Uh, Although the Easter Rebellion had initially swayed public opinion against the rebels, the British uh, uh, brutally executed swaths of Irish citizens, including pacifists and civilians, and turned the tide against them. Mm Mm-hmm. Sounds great. Sounds very British. <laughs> yeah, it does sound British. Can you finish this in a British accent or an Irish accent, please? I don't think so. I'm also very hungover. Okay. Um, oh, from last night. From last oh, night. my gosh. You, didn't... you uh, got Guinness drunk. I got Guinness drunk last night. Uh, here's to uh, Constance Mark Wicks um, mm-hmm. and all of that good British. Uh, uh, good Guinness drunk. Yeah. Um. <laughs> It's my birthday tomorrow, uh, yes. so um, it'll probably be about a month and a half before this episode is released. So my, well, maybe at dinner tonight we'll work on the dates. Maybe. Um, so oh, listeners, sorry. my birthday was actually a month and a half ago, but for me it's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Timey-wimey. Um, Spacey. Spa- what, what is it? Timey-wimey. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the Blink episode. Yeah. Um, and he does this motion. Yeah. Oh, shoot. I'll come up with it eventually. Uh, sorry for the kind of being spacey uh, today, listeners. We are Me both too. a little bit... Uh, out of it. <laughs> and out of it. Um, Wibbly, wobbly, timely, timey-wimey. There you go. <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> Wibbly, Proceed. wobbly, timey-wimey. Talk about this badass woman. Um, so she exited the prison, and she eventually became... Um, a handy woman, uh, but she um, she ran for office uh, for uh, me- as a member of parliament for the British Parliament. That's awesome. Um, she was elected the first woman to the British Parliament, and then she immediately decided that she didn't want to be a member of the British Parliament. What? And she um, stepped down and created uh, different. Um, 
a different party, which I cannot now find. Um, she ran with the leftist Sin Fine party. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that there was another one. Uh, Fianna Fail. Is that the name of the party or a person? That was the name of the party. Uh, the Republican Party, the Irish Republican Party. Um, they believe that Irish uh, Ireland should be uh, free from the independent should be free from the tyranny of the British. Um, ah. And she died uh, late in life. I think she was fifty-eight. Uh, she had trouble with her lungs. I believe it was tuberculosis. Mm. Okay. Yep. Cool. Cheers to Constance. Cheers to Constance. Ding. And I'm drinking Irish again tonight. Yep, you're welcome. Well, you bought this beer, so you're, you're, you can welcome yourself. <laughs> I was thinking ahead three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go with that. I kept it for you. <laughs> I may have had one if you didn't notice. There were five and not six in there. <laughs> okay. So it looks like a lot, but I'm going to be able to go through it real fast. Okay. I think you promise. Awesome. Um, so I'm on this like kick about tales and fairy tales because I don't know that many. Um, and I know of the Grimm brothers, but I'm not 100% familiar with them. I never saw that Heath Ledger, Matt Damon movie or anything. You're not that I think that would be historically <laughs> accurate at all. But um, So I'm going to tell a little bit about the Grimm brothers and mm-hmm. a couple of their lesser known fairy tales that they actually wrote from scratch. Okay, cool. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so you had the two Grimm brothers. Their mm-hmm. names were Jacob and Wilhelm, which I didn't, I didn't even know their names. I just said they were the Grimm brothers. <laughs> the Brothers Grimm. The, yeah, the Brothers Grimm. They're fairy tales. The Brothers Grimm fairy tales. So Jacob was the oldest, and he was born on January 4th, uh, 1785, and Wilhelm was born just over a year later on February 24th, 1786. Mm-hmm. They are born in Hanau, within the Holy Roman Empire, and it's in present-day Germany. Okay. Um, they're the oldest of five living people. They have more, but a lot died in infancy of five brothers and one sister. Mm-hmm. And they were actually a pretty well-off family to begin with. Um, they, like, had private tutors and all this stuff, but then their father passed away. And then all of a sudden, like, there goes all the family money and there goes everything. So then they became really poor. So they, like, oh, no. went from really wealthy to, like, pretty poor. Um... Uh, but they did both go to law school to father and their father, father's footsteps to become a lawyer. Yeah. But it was at the university, at the University of Marburg, is where they met Clemens, or Kelmans Brentano, who introduced them to folk poetry and, like, the rest is history almost. Okay. And they fell in love with, like, folklore uh-huh. and, like, storytelling, and I'll get a little more into that right now. So this is where they kind of studied the idea of philology. Yeah. The study of language and oral and written history and historical sources. It's a combination of literary criticism, history, and linguistics, which I find linguistics fascinating. I wish I had taken classes mm-hmm. about it in college or any time. Or, like, I sometimes I just want to get a book to tell you about, uh, to learn more about linguistics. Because it, it tells so much about a person. I've got, uh, I'm friends with my old linguistics teacher on Facebook. I'd reach out to her if you want recommendations. Oh, yeah, for sure. Sweet. Absolutely. Like... Have you heard of those, like, really, really good, um, I don't know how to describe it, but basically they can hear a person talk and they can say, I know that you were born here, you've moved here and lived here for a bit in your life, and now you're here, and they can figure it out. That's, and they, 
I swear that it's not like they like look at your history, like they can figure it out from the way, and they can describe it's because the way you pronounce this, the way you say this, the way you're, you roll your R's and things like that. Yeah. I find that so cool. And when I went to school in Lexington, one of my friends, she, her undergrad's in linguistics, and she was like, well, I can tell the way you pronounce this way, it comes off a little more Southern, yeah. and you're from West Virginia, and they pronounce things this way, and it's so fascinating. I think it's so neat. I had a guy do that to me when I was in China, and it was the first time I met him. And he was like, so where are you from? And I was like, well, my family's from outside of Chicago. He was like, well, your accent, I would guess that you came from uh, either Southern Kentucky or maybe Upper Tennessee, and I was like, well, my mom's family is from Kentucky, that, and yeah. I've been living in Louisiana. <laughs> For uh, three years, and he was like, That's "Yeah, it. it's like it's so cool. Yeah. I I'm in awe by those people. Um, and there is so much to learn there. It's yeah. it's it's really neat. Um, so the Grimm brothers saw culture being tied to languages, i.e., like how we talk, everything, how people tell stories in that, yeah, um, in their country and their culture, um." So they delved into the origins of the stories and attempted to retrieve them from the oral tradition without the loss of original traits of oral tra- of oral language because mm-hmm. they took a lot more. And this is in the like 18th century, so they're trying to go back into like old old stories that yeah. had only been um, handed down by oral tradition, which is really neat. Right. Um, so around 1812 is when they published um, the two oldest German poems, mm-hmm. one of them being the Song of Hildenbrand and Hodenbrand, which sounded super, super familiar. Um, so I googled that a bit, and it's a heroic epic poem that tells a story about a battle between a father and a son who do not recognize each other, and um, it's written in old Germanic language, so they like um, retranslated to like Germanic language in the right. 1700s. Uh, um, but they're still missing pieces or pieces that they can't quite decipher, so <laughs> there is no ending to the story. There are several versions about um, they reconcile or the father kills the son, but most point to like the way that German culture was back then and the way it's already been styled through like how it's written, yeah. that um, the father either accidentally kills the son or has to kill the son and does kill the son. So it's like a choose-your-own-adventure? Yep. You can. It's like, what? no one's going to decipher it. I don't think it's going to be deciphered anytime soon. Either yeah. it's lost at this point, I think, or they can't figure it out. I'm guessing that it's lost. And it's not like that's the only piece that's missing. There are other parts in the poem that's yeah. also missing or can't be interpreted or isn't interpreted yet. Um, so they began collecting stories with the purpose of keeping and preserving um, this tradition um, as they had been handed down from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the oral tradition gives folk tales an important mutability, which I thought I love that word. <laughs> mutability. Yeah. So versions of tales differ from region to region, picking up bits and pieces of local culture and lore, drawing mm-hmm. a turn or phrase from a song or another story, and fleshing out the characters, right. which I think is so cool. That's how you know, like, they're. Uh, I'm going to make up a number. Mm. Armchair Apocrypha. Hashtag Armchair Apocrypha. There are at least 20 different versions of Cinderella in different countries and cultures. Like, everyone has their own version of it that's very, very similar. Hashtag Armchair Experts. Hashtag Armchair Experts. Um, (laughs) So, but the Grimm's appropriated their stories as being uniquely German. And here's where I come into some criticisms of the Grimm brothers. So one of them is... um, 
that they're insufficiently German, which influenced the tales and the language used. So they like skewed it towards the German culture mm. and language used, which can in turn completely change a story. Um, German culture is deeply rooted in the forest, a dark and dangerous place to be avoided, i.e. Hansel and Gretel, Little Red Riding Hood. They have a lot involving big oak trees and things like that. Um, It's funny because, like, uh, during the Romantic period, about 100 years later, you've got the city is the, like, evil place, mm -hmm. and the village is, like, the good place. Yeah, yeah. Quaint, everyone minds their own business, no bad, no harm is being put onto people, yeah. yeah. You're there to help, give them flour or whatever. Um, critic also say critics also say that the deaths of their father and grandfather are the reasons for the Grimm's tendency to idealize and excuse fathers, as well as why there are predominantly female villains in their tales. However, that's kind of a flaw because they didn't come up with the ideas of like Cinderella or Rapunzel or any of that stuff. They heard those and then rewrote them. Yeah. Now, in the original version, was there a different villain other than like an evil old lady? I'm not really sure. Um. I don't have time to look up that stuff. Um, they collected most of these stories and then kind of wrote it and fleshed it out. But they did come up with a lot of their own stories, too. Yeah. We just aren't as familiar with them. So their book, they I had to mention this because it was really interesting. Their book of tales called Kinder und Hanschmarchen. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure I butchered that so bad. means children and household tales. Okay. Um, so I'm just going to go into really fast two lesser-known stories that were actually written by them. And it's original stories from them. And I'll just give you a hint. None of these involve, like, there's their tales, basically. Mm. There's not evil, evil people. So have you ever heard of the story of the white snake? I don't think so. I thought it was a pretty good one. So um, every day after dinner, a king eats. Um, after dinner, the king is delivered on a covered silver-like platter Mm -hmm. something, and he doesn't open it or do anything with it until everyone leaves. He does it in secrecy, and it's always served by this servant who's, like, the most loyal servant. Everyone trusts him everything. Well, one day, Curiosity takes the best of him, and he takes this little silver platter covered and Mm. takes it into a locked room and opens it, or uncovers it, and it's a white snake. Okay. So, um, basically... Um, what he did, and this is what the king did, is he took a piece of the snake and ate it. I know. (laughs) That's what you would do with the snake, right? (laughs) Um, And then all of a sudden, he realized he could hear something out the window, and he opened the window, and he could hear the birds talking, and he realized that eating this white snake gives you the ability to hear animals. Uh So now he has this ability to hear animals. Well, right around that same time, the queen lost her ring, and he was blamed for it. Um, and they were basically like, if you can't find anyone else who stole this, then you are to be blamed, and you're going to be executed. And he's like, oh, shit. So he went outside, and then he heard ducks talking. And, of course, one of the ducks is like, I accidentally ate a ring. So he quickly grabs the duck, takes it to the chef, and says, this is a great duck. Behead it. And then they beheaded it, and the ring fell out. And then um, the king felt awful and was like, we'll give you half the kingdom, do all this stuff. Um, you're a loyal servant, blah, blah. And he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a meager, humble man. All I require is a horse and money so I can go traveling and then explore the world. And they said, yeah, sure, okay, we'll do that for you. That's a good deal. Yeah. So basically he goes and, ex- and explores the world and 
on his travels, he comes across three distraught fish who have somehow gotten out of water, and he throws them back into the water. And Mm -hmm. they're like, thank you, thank you, we'll repay you one day, we'll repay you one day. He goes further down on his trails, and he hears an ant king being so annoyed about all these people stepping onto their anthills, and he purposely moves him and his horse around, and the anthill's like, thank you, I will forever graciously thank you. And he goes further along his trails to just traveling, and he comes across um, a, a big raven has like kind of not like knocked the baby ravens out, saying you're old enough to like fly on your own, but they weren't really, and so he took care of them. And the ravens are like, "Thank you, thank you, we'll repay you one day." You can see they're coming, right? Yeah, <laughs> they all turn on him in the end and kill him. I'm just joking. That's how it happens. So basically, he um, comes across this <clears throat> castle. Mm-hmm. And they're like, the the princess is looking for a husband. Anyone um, who can like feat this hard task can win her hand. But if they don't do it, then they will be killed. Because that's how things happen, right? right? Like, if you can't complete it, then you must forfeit your life, is what they said. And the servant wasn't stupid. He's like, that's silly. I'm not doing that. I'm right. like enjoying my time traveling. Right. But then, of course, he gets a look at her, and she's gorgeous. So, of course, he's like, oh, I got to try it. <laughs> Got to risk it. So basically, um, they're like, okay, here's the task. They took a ring, and they threw it to the bottom of the ocean. They're like, you have to go down and get it. And if you come back up without it, then we're going to basically kill you and, like, drown you. But the three little fishies were there, and what they do, they went and fetched the ring for him. Nice. That's great. So it's all good. So now he gets to marry her and all that stuff. Oh, wait. Oh, no. Nope, that's not what Two happens. Um because the princess didn't seem it as her equal because they learned that he's not royalty. He's right. just some servant. So she's like, no, no, no. Here's another task you have to complete. So she threw down ten sacks full of what they called millet seed, which I'm guessing are just tiny seeds. Mm-hmm. And every last grain had to be picked up by sunrise. Well, who comes and helps? The ants come and pick up all the seeds really, really, really fast and stack them. So... She should be fine now. Like, he completed these two awesome tasks. Except there's a third task. Except she's still not satisfied, Andrew. (laughs) She's still not satisfied. (laughs) So basically she says, okay, you have to bring me an apple tree, or or an apple, from the tree of life. And he's like, I don't even know where the fucking tree of life is. (laughs) Where is that? Oh, it's on the other side of the world, by the way. And he has to get it by tomorrow. But don't worry. Um, Or Asia? It didn't specify. (laughs) It's in the tail. Well, this is in Germany. Right. So maybe it's in Canada. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Tokyo? No. No, that's... <laughs> I'm looking at Germany now. Yeah, it's in Canada. It's in Canada. True <laughs> um, life is in Canada, yep. everybody. Which is where I suspected it to be, actually. <laughs> that is where I would put the tree of life. Um, so the ravens, like, they fly across overnight, grab mm-hmm. an apple from the tree of life, and bring it back for him. Around the world? Well, they could, I guess. I mean, if you're halfway around, you could either take a full circle or go there and come back the same way. Those are fast ravens. Yeah, they are. They're great ravens. (laughs) So they helped out on this one. So now she had no more excuses. Also, he has no more lifesavers. So she... They cut the apple, and they split the apple from the tree. And, of course, this apple makes her fall madly in love with him. And they lived happily ever after. This had, like, a happy ending. Nice. And that was the end of that story. So one more, I'll tell. Okay. It's not... It's a little different. <laughs> um, but I thought it was interesting. And you can try and figure out what, like, moral the story is on this one. So it's called The Four Skillful Brothers. Have okay. you heard of this one? I don't okay. Think so. Let me take a drink real fast, cleanse my palate. Cheers. 
Oops, cheers. <clears throat> so there's this poor farmer, and he had four sons. Mm. I really just like telling stories sometimes because I'm not really a good storyteller. <laughs> so I feel like this is helping me become a better storyteller. Yeah, yeah. And he had four poor, or he had. Uh, poor farmer had four sons and he was like well I don't want them to be poor farmers so they I'm gonna like do something he basically sends each of his sons out into the realm and says you have to learn a trade other than farming mm-hmm. and basically the brother the brothers make this pact that four years from now we're gonna come back and meet at the spot and we'll learn a trade and then we'll go back home and that's what they do so the oldest son goes out and he masters the art of thieving okay the second son looks to the stars and loves it and becomes um, an astronomer nice um, the third one becomes a hunter as his skill. And then the youngest one really likes sewing and everything, so he becomes a tailor. So when they all return home with their new trade, the father's like, well, i got to test your skills to see if it actually works. So they're standing under this huge tree, and on the top of the like, high-up branch, there's a big nest with eggs in it. Okay. And... Um, so it sounds plausible so far. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? So... Basically, I kind of like wrote it really fast, but how it goes is the father asks the astronomer, well, you have to tell me how many eggs are in there. So he, he has a telescope with him mm-hmm. and he's like there, I can't remember, I think there's, there's five eggs. He's like, there's five eggs. He tells the thief, he's like, okay, well now you have to steal the eggs without the, the mother knowing. So he gets up and he steals it without the mother knowing. Mm-hmm. And then he straps the eggs in weird positions on a table and tells the hunter with two shots, you have to kill, you have to go put arrows through all five eggs. And he does that. And he goes to the tailor and he's like, you gotta fix these eggs now. So he sews up the little eggs so there's no more cracks. And then he goes back to the thief and he's like, now you have to return the eggs. And so he goes up and he returns the eggs Mm -hmm. to see if they've all mastered their skill. And um, so, and then the birds were like hatched a few days later and everything was fine and no one knew anything. What the hell? (laughs) Conveniently, (laughs) not long after, the king's daughter... (laughs) was carried off by an evil dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's our second act. Yep, here's our, yep, this is it. So basically, the astronomer um, was like, well, I'll find her with my telescope, because in the telescope he can see anything in the stars and on the ground. So they see that, or he sees that she's far off beyond the sea in a cave with the dragon. Okay. So they go to the king, and they're like, we know where she is, we're going to go get her. And he's like, okay, I'll give you some ships. So then they sail away to where the astronomer says she is, and guess what? She's there. Um, and then the hunter's like, well, I can't shoot because I might accidentally shoot her. So the thief goes in while the dragon is sleeping and steals her back. And so they quickly get on the boat and, like, sail back to homeland, wherever that is. But the dragon wakes up and sees that this princess isn't there and gets really angry and comes after them. And as it's, like, right over their ship... The huntsman's like, I got this, and kills the dragon right through the heart. Nice. But it, like, kind of falls and, like, Off breaks the ship. the ship apart. But thankfully, we have a tailor there who can quickly put together a ship, Don't a sail. That's... Nope. That's what happened. <laughs> Can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> okay. And so they were able, he was able to quickly grab some plank, literally <laughs> described to help get some planks together and some old sail yeah. stuff that was, like, not drowned and hadn't fallen to the bottom of the... Uh, see yet puts together a small makeshift ship and they were able to sail back home and so the king was so grateful he was like okay one of you gets to marry her but you have to figure it out amongst yourselves now this is an interesting ending part do you know how this part what do you think happens 
the hunter kills the other brothers and takes her for his wife. No, this has like a really, like again, it's like a sweet ending and it has like no evil, weird thing happening. Did you just choose these because they have happy endings? Is that what you No, doing? I looked at the other ones. They also were like, okay. Okay. There's a weird one about death, but it wasn't that interesting. Right. Wasn't interesting like death is. <laughs> um, no, so basically, each one's like, "Well, I did this. We wouldn't have been able to do, to um, save her if I didn't do this. We wouldn't have been able to save her if I did this." They all had like a reason, but then eventually they couldn't come to an agreement, and mm-hmm. so the king was like, "Well, you guys are still great people. Do you guys just want to own half the kingdom?" And they're like, "Yeah, sure, that's fine." <laughs> so none of them marry her, but they own half the kingdom. I think that's fair. Yeah, I was like. That's actually, I, I remember seeing, like, oh, how's this going to end? And I'm like, well, that didn't get really juicy. That just kind of no. ended really fast. Um, so those are two stories, but um, they had, like, three other stories I was reading that I can, like, find online. <clears throat> and they weren't, like, that different from these. Like, there was no evil stepmother yeah. asking for the head or the heart of the young maiden or something. But I will end on this. Okay. more interesting endings because we all know about the interesting endings of like Sleeping Beauty has like got to be the worst one where <coughs> he where rapes up. her yeah. and she wakes up giving birth to twins like that's awful yeah. like I'm sorry but who the fuck would write that and why would you write that what is the story of that Andrew what is the moral of that <laughs> I don't understand like why someone literally sat down and was like no this is great this will make a lot. Oh, and it does well, because they, were they reinterpret. Telling it for several years. Like, do you think it got misinterpreted? Uh, no, I think that they just really hated women back then. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, I just don't understand how these endings. Like, I get the whole they were saying Hansel and Gretel was like to teach children to like be wary of the woods or something. Yeah. But I understand things like Sleeping Beauty mm. or Snow White, like. The original versions. I don't know. So in the French version... Anyways, I digress. In the French (laughs) version of Rapunzel, she's turned into a frog and the prince is cursed with a pig snout. Okay. Um, The very first... I think you know this. The very first tale of Cinderella was recorded in China in 850 AD. Uh Um, I didn't look too much into the story. All I have so far (laughs) is she wears a dress made of kingfisher feathers and her shoes are made of gold. And I do, it sounded familiar about her. She's being made of gold. Um, and Roald Dahl's version of Little Red Riding Hood, she fights back and kills the wolf. So, yay. Yay. <laughs> and then this one I've heard of, but it's got to be reiterated. In The Little Mermaid, the prince marries someone else and she commits suicide and turns into sea foam. Yeah. Um, in the, the ending to Goldilocks has two endings, depending on different interpretations. Um, or different cultures. Mm-hmm. And one, the bears find her and rip her apart and eat her. <laughs> and the second, she's an, actually an old hag and jumps out the window when they come back and then she breaks her neck from the fall. <laughs> Poor Goldilocks. So I was about to say, she has no heavy ending no. the way it happens. <clears throat> um, and then, of course, I'm going to end with Pinocchio. Um, so when Geppetto makes Pinocchio and he gets to life, he runs away and is caught by police the police assume Geppetto has abused him and they imprison him. Um, and then Pinocchio goes back to the house and accidentally kills the cricket and later he gets hung from a tree. So, you know, everyone's literally worse off. Yeah. 
Don't mess with magic. I don't... But see, like... <laughs> what was the point of this story? Like, why the fuck would you write that? Of Geppetto? Yes. Like... Don't fuck with magic? Maybe that was it. Like, this will ruin your life and other people's. Yeah. And a talking cricket. God. I don't... Anyways. <laughs> I mean, fair... Like, folk lore and fairy tales don't have to have heavy endings. No. But it's like... I can't figure out what the moral of the story is. I like to think that it was interpreted wrongly or people were just messed up back then. It might be like just like the dangers of like the witchcraft. World. Yeah. Um, I mean, they really liked the idea of installing fear. Yes. Cuz like uh the red shoes, the the moral of the story is like don't make deals with the devil, mm-hmm. even if you covet something, because it's just going to come back and bite you. Um, and a lot of fairy tales, the protagonists, the things that they want, end up being the things that destroy them. Okay. So, on that note... Yeah. That's about the Grimm Brothers and some of their fairy tales. That was a, a sufficiently disturbing ending. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to have a happy one next time. Okay. Um, do you have anything to plug? How about you talk about how much money you raised? Oh, uh, at the fundraiser last night uh, for my birthday, um, I raised $400 for Books and Breakfast Louisville. Um, if you are in Louisville and you would like to support uh, Books and Breakfast, I would highly encourage you to do so. What is Books and um, Breakfast? So what they do is once a month they feed and... Um, give books to small children um the entire thing is black owned and for black children Mm -hmm. um it's basically a way of like bringing the community together yeah um feeding people and uh spreading uh, education black or black authored books uh oh yeah Mm -hmm. we didn't raise any books last night which i was kind of i didn't even think about that i'm sorry um, i just brought money yeah Mary, w- Mary was like, I'm going to bring some books. And then she got there and she was like, I did not bring any books. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but yeah, we were... She's still bringing books. <laughs> it's not like it's a deadline on right. bringing books. Um, we raised $400. Um, That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Rachel got there at the tail end because she was at a Hanukkah party. I was at a wonderful Hanukkah party. Um, we, I made a Twitter for um, Absinthe Activism Arts. I have not made one specifically for Armchair Apocrypha. Progress. Mary did say that she would like to do social media for us because oh, she's God. just finishing up her social media class. Good. This is um, like her test in the real world, yes. we'll say. This will be her A dabble. Um, I wanted to plug somebody else's press, but I cannot find it anymore. Um... John Paul Wright, who's a local folk musician here in Louisville. You met him last night, right? Just really yeah. well. Um, he is starting a uh, railroad free press, um, but I cannot find the name of it anymore. So we'll have to do that one next week. Um, Which we can. <laughs> um, next week, I'm not going to be in Louisville. I'm going to be up in Olympia. Um, dropping the cat off. Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it, Andrew. <laughs> um, I took him to the vet Tuesday, or no, not Tuesday night, Wednesday night, mm-hmm. and got his papers and everything. So, so that he can 
go on the plane. I almost said train. The plane. Yeah. I'm not taking. <laughs> Please don't take a train to there. I would be gone for that two would weeks. be forever. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna take Bucky up to Seattle, and uh, my not sister come back Rachel. With Bucky. <laughs> not come back with Bucky. My sister Rachel will be on the podcast next week. Yeah. As our guest star. That'd be fun. We're going to try to do it through Skype, but I honestly don't know if we can do it through Skype. Yeah, we'll plan it and see so what happens. Next week will be a little bit of an experiment as well. Yeah. But a fun one. Yeah. Um, as always, go buy my book. Um, go mm-hmm. read my stories. Uh, Katie's artwork should be up on the website, so go check out Katie's artwork. Um, anything else we need to talk no, about? No, Star Wars is on my mind. I'm sorry. We're going to go see Star Wars. Yes. Uh, we're really excited for it, and uh, I hope that if you've seen it, you enjoy it. Um, we still only come up with a sign-off. <laughs> so have a great week. We're never going to come up with a sign-off, <laughs> Rachel. Can we just do that? Like, pretend that we're the entire time that we're going to come up with a sign-off and just never do? Right. But don't tell them about it. <laughs> Your secret's safe with you. <laughs> okay, good, good. All right. <laughs> we'll come up with a sign-off next week, we promise. Until next time, listeners. Bye.